If you're in the UK, good evening. If you're in the US or Canada, good afternoon. Or if you're in Australia or Japan, good morning. On today's show, I speak to one PW ring announcer, Steve Yaron. This guy's been absolutely everywhere. He's author for Inside the Ropes. I mean, they've got so much to get through. But in turn, let's play the intro, shall we? I'm sorry, did I see a smug look there when I was like bigging you up a little bit? <laughs> no, it was great. It was it was perfect. Not a problem, not a problem. It's of course Saturday night again. It's time for the magic of wrestling. I've got a very special guest. This guy is a ring announcer. He's an author for Inside the Ropes. Is there anything else I need I've missed? Uh, I don't know. Ex-commentator, I suppose. Uh manager here and there. Wrestler. We'll get on to that. <laughs> Oh, I did not know that. Wow. Um, yeah, oh. okay. Interesting. <laughs> Stevie, how's your week been, my friend? It's been good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Just like usual work uh, stuff, nothing exciting. Been, been up to anything exciting this week? Uh, this week? Uh, nothing off the top of my head, but I'm just thinking about the past right now after we've uh, spoken. Uh, this should be a very therapeutic session for me, so... I'm looking forward to it. I don't know what people are going to get out of it, if anything. But if you get something out of it, let me know, and uh, you're, it's it's appreciated. <laughs> of course, of course. So yeah, obviously I've got loads of stuff to get through. We've got announcing. We've got one PW, which obviously we'll get into inside the ropes, which I'm excited for. So yeah, let's let's get started, shall we? So as I mentioned in the intro, you of course the a ring announcer. So how did this all begin? I'm kind of excited oh. to learn about this. Well. You know, this could be a deep dive, Liam. We could be here for a number of hours, but I don't intend to be. So I'll try and make it as interesting as I possibly can and uh, try to cut out some of the fat. Um, whether I managed to do that or not, I don't know. But um, <laughs> really, um, starting from the beginning, we need to go back about 20 years, which I can't believe it's, it's been that long. Uh, but I need to go a little bit further than that at first, uh, just mm -hmm. to give you uh, a bit of insight and just sort of set the scene because... I think um, this is why I asked you the other day how old you were. And um, <laughs> I think, it, you know, it, it scares me because I had a conversation with somebody not that long ago, uh, a grown adult who cannot remember a time. And we've all met people like this and you might even be watching. Um, they cannot remember a time when there was no Internet. And that that scares me. And I, I don't know about yourself, Liam, but it's just the, the fact that the world seemed to be such a, a much bigger place uh, mm -hmm. before the Internet um, so if we go back to the 90s, first of all, because I think it's important to remember that um, there was no social media. Uh, you know, very few people had the Internet. Um, I was lucky to get on uh, mid 90s due to college and due to a friend and stuff like that. Uh, but my point is the British wrestling was pretty much dead as far as I was concerned as a fan. Um, it, it was just non-existent. Now, that's not to say that there weren't places that were doing well. Obviously, you had All Star at Butlins, and, uh, you know, I used to read about, like, Hammerlock in Kent, which might as well be on the moon. This is what I mean about the world being <laughs> such a big place. If you wanted to be involved with pro wrestling, I have no idea how you got involved with pro wrestling. It was pretty much a case of it was who you knew back then. Mm -hmm. um, okay. 
And, uh, you, you know, I, I don't believe anyone advertised online. If they did, by all means, you know, correct me. Um, but the world was a very different place. The UK scene was a very different place. As I say, I'm sure there was uh, places that were doing well. Uh, but in the mainstream, it, it just, you know, it was, uh, if it wasn't forgotten about, it was the kind of thing you spoke to taxi drivers about and they said, oh, do, you know, you watch wrestling and it's like, oh, that's that American rubbish that you'll watch. It's not like, you know, what we used to watch on TV and stuff. Um, uh, so, so my point is, you know, there, there was, uh, it felt like British wrestling was over. It was dead. There was no way to be involved with it. Not that I wanted to be involved with it, but what happened at the end of the nineties, I promise you, this is, this is relevant. Um, through a friend of a friend of a friend, pretty much. And I think I've got that right. Um, I was good friends, um, just to give you a bit of background, with uh, a chap by the name of uh, Mike Groom, who I went to school with. And uh, we were both big wrestling fans. And uh, again, his friend of a friend uh, found out that we were big wrestling fans. And, uh, you know, we, you know, got uh, tips from all over the world, thanks to people like Rob Butcher, who would advertise in Power Slam magazine. Um, and um, yeah, uh, we, we, we got in with him and he was like uh, big enough um, uh, events that were taking place in the Middlesbrough Town Hall, um, which was cool. Um, before I get onto that, I just want to mention the, the, the other reason why British wrestling was dead, I thought, was because there was a lot of these uh, tribute shows, these WF uh -huh. tribute shows. Now, uh -huh. for, for people unfamiliar with them, they were basically claiming to be, as far as I was concerned, I know people can say oh, it was a tribute or, or whatever, um, but they were basically misguiding the public because kids thought that they were going to see The Undertaker and Steve Austin. I, I actually had a friend who took her kids, and uh, <laughs> I remember the story because she was like, they were just sat there in disgust just going that's not the undertaker that's not the undertaker <laughs> and, um, it wasn't that long ago i actually spoke to and i won't say who it was uh, uh it, actually a british wrestling great it was, it was actually two people that said this to me uh that they missed uh that era in in some ways because the crowds were so big and stuff and they loved you know doing what they were doing and they were impersonating the americans but for me as a fan it was it was cheap and nasty and it was like yeah you've got them big crowds but how many of those people you know, didn't go back when they found out it wasn't the people that they were expecting to see. Um, so back onto my point, these shows started happening at Middlesbrough Town Hall, and it was part of, um, I believe it was McGregor's uh, promotions, um, and they were advertising uh, WF Superstars Tour. Now, this this was the real deal, and they put mm -hmm. on good shows. So uh, what they meant by that is uh, they had ex-WF guys there, like uh, Marty Gennetti. I remember meeting Marty. Um, uh, the Bushwhackers were there, uh, Skinner, Steve Kern. Uh, mm -hmm. I missed the one where Earthquake was there. That would have been great. And uh, I did have tickets for the event where Yokozuna was supposed to be there, but he, he sadly died on that tour. Um, but my point is, there was some really great British wrestling on, on, the, on the undercard and stuff. Uh, that's the first time I seen Robbie Brookside, first time I, I met Robbie Brookside, and I remember speaking to him after an event, and uh, we were just saying how appreciative we were of like the actual, uh, you know, mat wrestling and the, the, you know, technical wrestling and stuff. And, and I remember him saying, you know, it's, uh, it's good that we appreciate that kind of thing because not everyone in the audience obviously did there with that. See, you know, the bushwhackers or whomever, well, that stuff, I, I do remember it going down really well. Uh, so that was cool. Um, so fast forward, uh, just a few years later. So as I say, uh, the scene's dead apart from the, these shows and there was a few others, there was no like local promotions. And then going back to that friend of a friend of a friend, I don't know how they met, 
but they met a group of lads. I think it might have been in like a nightclub or a pub or something. Um, mm -hmm. And they were big wrestling fans to the point where they were saying that they were wrestlers. And it was like, what? Because, as I say, uh, the, the the reason I'm, I, you know, my uh, my first uh, comments there was just to give you the idea, uh, or to anyone watching that may not have an understanding that you know meeting a wrestler was kind of like meeting, um, I would say probably royalty at this stage. You know, it, it was very unlikely you were going to meet a wrestler in your lifetime. That, that's what it felt like. It's probably not the truth. But um, well, you know, what years was this? So this is like two. This is exactly twenty years ago now. So I'm going back mm -hmm. to 2003. Mm -hmm. uh, I was in my early twenties. I just got out of university. I was doing other things. Didn't really know what I was doing, but I was going along with the ride. But they met this group of guys, and they were younger than me. So it's like a group of uh, like uh, late teens, uh, maybe some of them in their early twenties, maybe. And uh, what they'd done is they booked out a local uh, leisure centre close to me and they said, oh, we're going to be doing wrestling. And uh, another friend of mine from school and stuff, he, he started going along and says, oh, yeah, they're doing wrestling on mats and stuff. And I'm like, OK. So I go along and uh, I meet the guy who would eventually be uh, Dragon Aizu, who used to wrestle for 1PW. And there was another guy there called Stevie Lynn, who um, at one point he was actually uh, a lot of people thought he was going to be like a big prospect. In wrestling but he, he eventually got out of it a few years later but he was a good friend of mine uh, for a few years there he's, he's doing well at the moment i haven't seen him for years but anyway th these group of lads what we found out that some of them if not all of them uh were backyarders and i was like that blew my mind i was like there's, there's no backyard scene in the uk like what what are you talking about this is and 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 a lot of them were doing it because of i think um as much as they are uh, as much of a good influence as you want to say on the on the current scene um, I think there is much as a, a, a bad, um, a bad aspect of it, a bad influence, I should say. And I'm talking about the Hardy Boys. A lot of people like the Hardy Boys fans they wanted to do, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, and they were looking up people and they were finding out people. And a lot of them loved Hayabusa for some reason. I don't know why. I was I was getting these tapes from Japan and stuff, and I was like, but Hayabusa to me wasn't even like one of the main guys, but he was amazing. Don't get me wrong. But I'm like, I was into like Masaur and Kabashi and the old Japan women and, you know, this other stuff. And it's like, these are all in high books. Okay, he's good. But, you know, um, but anyway, the point is, uh, yeah, they had an entire community and, um, and it which blew my mind and they were online. And so it shows what I know. And it, it sort of uh, shafts everything I've just said about, you know, being, <laughs> um, you know, no communication on the Internet, which obviously wasn't true. But um, they, they, a lot of them wanted to take it seriously and they wanted to get out of being a backyard and they wanted to train to be a professional wrestler. And I was like, well, how would they do that? There's, there's no way to do that. Um, and uh, you'd have to speak to some of them how they got in contact with this guy. But I just want to say, just very quickly offhand, this, this group. Um, so people would come uh, sometimes from all over the country that they'd met uh, from the backyard and thing. And there was this uh, young Johnny lad who came along and i don't know if he'd had any training or what um but he'd done gymnastics and stuff and uh, i'm watching this kid and he's uh, you know he's a few years younger than me and he's unbelievable and the stuff he's doing and i'm like this guy's a natural talent and everyone's saying yeah this guy's gonna make it this guy is unbelievable do you know who that was liam go ahead that was pack oh okay <laughs> And he was called Pac-Man. 
Wow. He was incredible. Yeah. And you knew, you knew from the start, like he just had it. And he actually ticked some of my friends off, like the friend of a friend of a friend that we met, like, because he was like, oh, he's just doing all this flipping crap. He's not doing wrestling. He's like, and he's like, but he's, he's just naturally gifted. He's so good. And he's like, he's going to be something. And obviously, we didn't know how far that would go. I, I, you know, I imagined he, he might go abroad or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but what he's done is uh, is incredible. Anyway, uh, back to my point. Um, I don't know how old you were then, Pac. Um, <laughs> I mean, um, right. I was so, gonna, go I'm on. sorry. I've got a little. I've got a little follow up question with that. Obviously, you've oh, seen. Oh, go on Pac. then. Okay. So obviously, you've seen, yeah, you've obviously seen Pac obviously grow to do bigger things. I mean, what's that like for you personally? Seeing that. That's better. You know what, right? I used to get a buzz out of announcing uh, these top names and um, and Heroes of Man and stuff and, and meeting all these, you know, like big American names and big Japanese names and stuff. And um, to see your friend, and not just Pac, but to see a lot of them go on and do these amazing things was, um, you know, I, I can't describe what it feels like, just the fact that I see him on like RTV and stuff. And even before then, even when, I remember the first time he went to Japan and he came back and he was uh, he was so buzzing about it, and again it was it was Hayabusa. He was like, oh, Stevie, I met Hayabusa, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> like, and uh, obviously that was a, a big a big deal for him, and um, you know, si- you know, since then from what he's done and working Dragon Gate, and then just um, you know going to WWE and then coming back, and it, I remember when he left and I seen him and he gave me the biggest hug in the world, and it was it was just awesome, and now obviously in AEW and he'll go on and on. I think he's, I think he's got a I think he's got some mileage left you know he's, he's gonna he's gonna yes. you know he's uh he's unbelievable but yeah that that's the best feeling in the world um, awesome anyway these uh so we've got this group and obviously the wannabe pro wrestlers is like who, who's going to train them and and, and and whatnot and uh this is where they got in touch uh with adam brown now i should uh and I'll, I'll talk about adam brown because i think he should be put over and i was speaking to him the other day and i know you're watching adam so hello adam um He's a really interesting character, and um, what happened is he's he was based at the time. I think he lives in London now. He was based in uh, South Shields, and I'm in Teesside. And I don't I don't know if you know the northeast. Everybody thinks we're Geordies, but we're not. Um, as an ignorant Teesider, I always get South Shields and North Shields mixed up, and I'm sorry to anybody out there. Um, you know, I only know Teesside, and then maybe Sunderland and Newcastle and. Whatever, but anyway, he he was in the South Shields area, and the interesting thing about Adam Brown, and he did send me some notes, which I want to read because um, I, I did some um, some homework here because my understanding of Adam Brown was he had um, convinced the job centre to pay for him to go to America and train to be a pro wrestler. <laughs> so if you've heard of New Deal, Liam, if anybody's heard, it, I don't know if New Deal's still going on, it's still a thing. I, I'm um, not sure. And- this made headlines, and um, Adam told me. So I was speaking to him the other day about this, uh, and these are his actual words because he sent me some notes. And he just put, "It was a load of rubbish about what the job centre did. They just took a load of credit for it." <laughs> <laughs> but what's interesting about Adam is he was uh, he was in his mid twenties, I'm going to say, and mm-hmm. he was ripped. And uh, people said some nasty things about him. I think it was jealousy because of the way he looked. He he was so ripped and. Um, uh, and he looked at just this amazing physique. He looked like a bodybuilder. And um, he's he's been in the papers a few times. He couldn't remember this, but I'm telling you, it happened. Uh, there was a story, and I'm not going to say which newspaper it was. They had contacted him and said, uh, because of your look, we want to use you for this news story. 
and say that you had an affair with, I think it was Shakira. It might have been Rihanna. I, I can't remember. It was some pop star. And it's like, what? And it was it was in the paper. And there was his picture of Adam Brown in the paper. And I'm like, what is this? How do you get involved in this? Um, he's not in wrestling now. He got into like uh, B-movies and stuff. He sent me a picture the other day where he looks like, you know, uh, Rambo. I don't want to talk about uh, another Rambo. But yeah, he, he was dressed like Rambo. He did a, um, I'm a big uh, Street Fighter mark. So he, he did like a Street Fighter fan movie. Where he was, he was, he was Ryu, and you know, it's like this is amazing what you're doing now, Adam. But he, he, he is honestly get him on the show. He's uh, he's a really interesting guy. But I don't know how much about wrestling to talk to you about. Um, but anyway, what happened was these are my notes. Um, so he went to Maryland, where he trained uh, with SWL SPWTC. It was House of Pain. I know that it was House of Pain. Um, uh, he says the job center uh, uh, paid for a cheap flight, and that's. It, and it was around 340 pounds return uh and they made him sort the, the sort the, they made him sort the rest out apparently they didn't even pay for his train ticket um so he got a, a budget indian airlines return flight from heathrow to jfk new york and back uh inside the plane it looked like it had old wallpaper old wallpaper on yeah plus the seats were all in different colors uh every penny other than that came out of my pocket so that's what happened so adam had gone to america trained to be a wrestler come back and opened up his training school. So he trained with a guy, going back to John Rambo, not the Stallone John Rambo, but the wrestler John Rambo now, um, with a guy called John Rambo. And I don't think John John Rambo realizes the effect he's had, uh, you know, the cause and effect that he's had on so many people. Um, and what I heard was, uh, last was John got really sick. I mentioned this to yourself the other day, Liam. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, he's got a, a GoFundMe going at the moment, and I can, I can send you the link. Um, I know um, the link is actually in the description of this video. Brilliant. Okay, so um, never met the guy, but you know we wish him the best, and you know if he can offer something, anybody listening or watching this, uh, we really appreciate it. I know Mick Foley tweeted about it. Head head shrinker Samu uh, and a bunch of you and old school guys have mm. helped out with that. Um, anyway, so yeah, I just wanted to put over uh, John Rambo there. Anyway, what happened? Um, sorry, I told you this was uh, a bit of a a long-winded story. How did I become a ring announcer? I have no idea from this, but we'll get there. Um, <laughs> so what happens was Adam Brown, so he opens up this uh, this training school, and uh, I remember a few people there, uh, the people I've mentioned, uh, Iceman was there. Mm -hmm. um, but he was already wrestling. I know Iceman was already wrestling, so I'm not saying Adam Brown trained Iceman, but he, he I remember him being there at one of the sessions. Uh, hello, if you're watching. Um, and then... Um, he wanted to create a promotion called Cream of Wrestling. What does that stand what? for, Liam? Not a clue. I don't even ask. Cream of Wrestling. What does it stand for? What's the, oh, the acronym? Sorry. Cream of Wrestling. I have no idea, and I don't even answer this. C O W. Oh, okay. C O W. Cow. Hang on, it gets better. Now, Adam's, Adam's going to... I'm going to get heat with Adam because he's going to tell me I'm wrong and this is made up and this is a myth. But I am near certain that he proposed having uh, his uh, championship belt, Cow, uh, with Udders. So the Cow championship would have Udders. I love you, Adam, by the way. But, yeah, this is what he proposed. Now, Cow never happened. I don't know if that's good or bad. 
maybe someone listening to this is going to take the idea and invent cream of wrestling. That'd be great as long as you credit Adam Brown. I've got no problem with that. Um, but anyway, what happened was, um, for whatever reason, and you would have to ask the people involved more than me about this, but uh, my groom who was going along, he was like, I, I want to run events myself. I want to promote something just for our lads that have trained. And let's be, I mean, there were a lot of them were terrible. They, you know, they weren't ready for to, to wrestle, not, not in ring. And I certainly wasn't ready. I wasn't looking to be a wrestler. I was just going along for the ride. Um, I said I'd help them out. But what they liked about me was while, whilst all these young kids were doing spots and stuff, um, I was good promos. I was selling. Um, I had like three moves, so it was mostly selling on my part. And, mm -hmm. and just as a fan for 20 years, um, you know, for most of my life uh, at that point, really, um, I was doing things that they weren't. I looked terrible. I wasn't prepared to go to the gym or anything like that. But these were really small shows. Um, but Mike wanted to run. Now, at the same time, there was another uh, promotion that just sprouted up out of nowhere called WZW, which, again, was uh, based in the Northeast. Mm -hmm. And uh, we went along and, and saw one of their shows. And to be honest, uh, they, they had great talent, I thought. You know, there, there was potential mm -hmm. anyway, I would have said. Uh, you know, a lot of guys that uh, certainly better than, you know, what, what Mike could have, could have used at that time with these, uh, th these young trainees that were really... You know, a lot of them backyarders and stuff that were no good for the ring. Um, so what happened was we went along, and whilst uh, I like the guys that we're using, I, I, we, I think Mike agrees with me on this. I, I really hated the way it was presented um, mm -hmm. because it was it was very much. Um, I, I mean, the pyro was good, and the lighting and stuff like that. They were doing things that you just didn't see at that time. But um, just the way it was, the attitude of uh, you grunt, we groan. You know, they had a band, and I don't want to put the band over because I thought they were terrible, and I know some people liked them and stuff. But I thought they were really that corny British sort of... Um, they they had their own WZW song, and I can mm -hmm. tell you how it goes. And it's on YouTube somewhere, and it's terrible, and it's like, WZW, light the fuse. And I just thought, this, this is tacky, this is cheesy, this is <laughs> everything I hate about, like, 80s British wrestling. I'm not talking about in-ring now. I'm just talking about that whole, you know, attitude of, oh, yeah, cool. You know, the, the big, not to disrespect Big Daddy, but the whole easy, easy, you know, it's very mm. dated, even even then to me. Like, that side of it, I just thought, this is tacky and awful. But uh, they did have some good talent, and I'm sure they, they put on some good matches and stuff and did some good events. But uh, um, Mike wanted to run on a shoestring, and he had all these guys, and they are all very green. But uh, the ones that wanted to stay on, they got training with Adam Brown and stuff. And we met uh, Doug Williams quite early. Um, mm -hmm. So so Adam Adam got into contact. I remember Doug Williams being there. Uh, Stevie Knight, I remember him doing a training session. Um, so at the same time, you've got to understand that like FWA is like, to, to fans that know about it, that nationwide, that's like, oh, this is a big deal. This FWA thing's sort of coming up and stuff like that. Um, so something's happening with British wrestling. And what, what I found out years later... Uh, not to go off on another tangent, but uh, we went along to the the first Ring of Honor event that was over here that was uh, uh, mm -hmm. Frontiers of Honor, where it was uh, FWA versus Ring of Honor at Bethnal Green in London, the York Hall. And um, we were, there, was, there was quite a lot of people at that event. I found out years later, I know Sanchez Bago was there. There was, there was probably others. Um, a lot of guys that would go on and, and promote pro wrestling I think Sanjay was there. If it wasn't Sanjay, I'm sorry, Sanjay, it was somebody else. But there was a few of them that were at that event and just got the idea that, you know, we can do 
uh, you know, what FWA is doing or try to do a local promotion version of, of FWA. Um, so, so that did influence a lot of people. Anyway, uh, to cut a long story short, at this point, we did like a, a few shows and mm-hmm. uh, like I did one singles matches. I was mostly in like tag matches and stuff and I was terrible and I was blown up. And But again, they, they liked that I sold and the other guys just wanted to do, you know, spots and they were just young kids and stuff and they didn't have gear. And, you know, I had terrible gear. I had like Shawn Michaels knockoff pants and stuff like that. And <laughs> they weren't good. And, and I remember, um, I'll tell you this quick uh, anecdote. Um, in Sunderland, we did a, an event and the day before we, we all got... Um, really drunk with johnny storm johnny storm was there and um and i was plastered i was wrecked and then it was like four o'clock in the morning and adam brown uh, was also a bouncer on the doors i think and he had this amazing sports car it was like a ferrari i don't think it was a ferrari but it was you know just think of that and we stayed back at his flat and we were sleeping on the sofa and it's like four o'clock in the morning 4 30 um you know sunday morning we've got a show an earlier show on the sunday uh in sunderland and uh, and Adam just wakes me up and he's in the kitchen and he's like, do you want a steak, Stevie? And I'm like, no, I don't want a steak. It's like half four, Adam. What, what are you talking about? I've been drinking all night and now I've got a, a match, like one of the first few matches that I'm going to have. And, and, you know, I'm popping it, to be honest, because I'm terrible. And I'm going to get, you know, my, uh, my posterior kicked, so to speak. Um, so what happened after that, not long after, um, I was like, I'm I'm not a, I just can't take this seriously. And as as a long time fan, I think it's disrespectful what I'm doing. You know, I, I'm not a wrestler. Um, so I remember the conversation phoning up uh, like 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 Dragon Eyes, who was organising like a training and stuff at the time. And I was like, I'm I'm done. I'm I'm done. Uh, and you know, um, and then Mike phoned me not long after, and he went, you know, you you were always an announcer. You know, you should you should be our ring announcer because I couldn't find anyone permanent. So I'm like, okay, I'll do that. And it goes back to really uh, 10 years before. I remember an occasion when, uh, this is when I'm like 13. Uh, I used to be in like a, a youth club uh, with like the mm-hmm. local church and stuff. And uh, we do like, when you're away for like a weekend away with like, uh, you know, teenagers and stuff, we were doing skits. So we'd done like a, a, a WF skit. And I was yep. uh, Howard Finkel. And, uh, you know, my friend was like dressed up like Shawn Michaels and Rowdy Piper and Hulk Hogan. And, and I was there and I was doing the voice. I can't do it now. It was like the following contest is good. I can't do it. Like I was so much better at doing Howard Finkel impressions then. But um, yeah, I, I, and it was like what happened then. To cut a long story short, we can go back and forth. Is uh, from there, three CW. You know, Mike started getting other contacts. Uh, mm-hmm. We got in touch with Conscience from SWA in Scotland and stuff. Uh, Margin uh, Magic, who was uh, you know based in the Midlands, and then through uh, different people. You know, just a few years later. I'd worked for um, every major company in the country at that point, pretty much. You know, I'd done All Star. Um, I'd, you know, done stuff for, for various uh, places. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. Uh, obviously, 1PW happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I was doing RQW television in London uh, with uh, with Len Davies, who I do I do want to speak about at some point today. Um, um, what else was I saying? So um, there was a point where, you know, when the wrestling channel was was sort of taken yeah. off, we worked with like Blake Norton, who used to do the bagpipe report, who's the last survivor of the Hart Family Dungeon, that's a shoot. Um, he, he got involved and he was helping 3CW. Um, and then um, we did, uh, I did like an angle with him where I was the ring announcer at ringside and Dragon Eyes who wanted me to be his partner. And I, I, I did that little bit. 
Uh, but aside from that, I was mostly announcing and I was getting used all over. Uh, mm -hmm. Skegness with uh, Sykes, RTW. I do apologize if there's somebody I've missed here because it's just random names that are coming to my head now. But I think um, what happened was, um, and then obviously Alex Shane was did, did like the King of Europe event and I did that whole weekend. Uh, and this is just a few years after I'd started. And I think that the reason is um, I became one of the most prolific uh, ring announcers in the country. Um, I'm on like three shows on the wrestling channel, doing commentary as well. Uh, for, for 1PW and RQW, I'm, I'm announcing with Dean Ars, who's a great guy. Um, and I'm also doing ring announcing. And I remember Len Davies uh, was saying that uh, he liked using me in the South just because he thought the, the, the Northern accent, it, it was just a bit friendlier than yeah. you know the way Southern people were doing it. I, I'm not going to say that there's no good Southern ring announcers because indeed there is. But one thing I did notice early on, a lot of what I was doing, I'd sort of taught myself just from watching you know, wrestling for so many years from, from all over the world and stuff. Um, and I had, you know, numerous suits and I was buying more all the time and sometimes they didn't fit and sometimes there were this and that. But, you know, you'd get um, places where they were just using, like, you know, the granny or someone from the club or <laughs> whatever <laughs> to be the ring announcer and they had a, a bunch of papers and they're like that, going, all right, this next match. And I, I was trying, I had cue cards, but I was trying to learn them a lot of the time. I'd, I'd step forth, I'd try and be in the centre of the ring. Um, people were walking around. I tried not to walk around too much. Um, I did the first set of LDN tapings as well, um, mm -hmm. you know, for their TV show. Um, was other, I see bad habits all the time. To this very day, Liam, and I don't understand it because you don't see that on WTV. Mm -hmm. You don't see it in AEW. You don't see it in any major organisation around the world where, you know, announcers will lean against the ropes. Like I say, they'll talk whilst they're wandering around the ring. And I, and I was trying not to do that. I was trying to do it, right, I'm going to do it like I've seen on television and I'm going to mm -hmm. be passionate about this. And I think, you know, I'm trying to take it seriously. And I think when you start taking it seriously, um, you know, that it, it, it you know, it, for, for whatever reason, it that sort of energy transfers, I do think, to the audience and they, they take it seriously, you know. And mm -hmm. I, I do think it's an important role. I think I'm not saying it's a hard job, but uh, you know, when you mess up, pe people notice. Or when you do something a bit strange, or uh, does that make sense? You know, you know what I'm trying to say. It's like you know, when you, you, you can be professional and just present yourself better. There was a guy I remember with a great voice, uh, but he, he he just dressed. He was just so scruffy, and he was just had like a shirt mm -hmm. on, and he hadn't shaved, and he was just he looked terrible. And he's just sat, yeah. you know sat at ringside and out, and it's like. Why don't you take a bit more pride in your work? You know, not mm -hmm. that I'm taking pride for this, as you can see, but um, you know what I'm saying? It's like <laughs> I think that's why that's why I was getting used. And uh, at that point, yeah, I'd, I'd pretty much worked everywhere, and that was only a few years in. So that's, yeah, absolutely. Uh, a bit long-winded, but hopefully we got there. No, that's absolutely fine. I mean, we've got loads of other questions to go through, so we can get some quick ones. So okay. I've always wanted to. I've always wanted to know this. So. In the terms of obviously one PW, so how much do you actually know during a show? Obviously, you know the format, obviously what matches are next, but does anything else you know? I mean, you don't have to go into like specifics, but what do you actually know? Okay, so um, I've thought about this question because I knew it was coming, and I do have, I'm not going to show you this, but I do have the running orders for one PW here, right? Mm -hmm. um, so your basic, your basic event, so let's say it's just uh, one of these small shows at the town hall, or mm -hmm. not necessarily a small show, but you know what I mean? It's it's not being televised. It's just, um, you know, the, we've got, let's say we've got traditional British wrestling card. We've got four or five matches. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'll get the running order. 
sometimes it, you know, I've got to make my own cue cards and they've just wrote it out in the back. That has happened, you know, five minutes before the event. These are the matches, do it in the ring, because those are the pros, you know, they know what they're doing, those guys. But um, yeah, so this is the run. So these days it's like this is the running order, and it'll just say like uh match number one, uh, this guy's music first. So I'll do that how I do it, you know. This this mm-hmm. match is one fall, introduce the first. I know the first guy that's coming out. Um, and then it's against this guy. And all the running order will say a lot of the time is, uh, you know, this guy's going over. This is how long they've got. Sometimes on these these events when it's only, I hate saying show, by the way, we can get onto that later if you want. But, um, these events have got like four or five matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, they might not even get a time. So we just expect everyone. Everyone's going to do what they feel the audience wants, so 15, 20 minutes, something like that. And it'll just yep. be bell to bell. This guy's over. And that's it. Um, if if I'm involved, so if uh, you know something's happening in the match where I've got to announce, uh, you know the match is going to like a like a, a restart, or if there's like a mm-hmm. misty finish or, or, or something like that, or there's something specific that I need to know that's going to happen, uh, they'll tell me. Uh, not that they always tell me, so you just sort of go with it. Um, it really annoys me when uh, people say that that wrestling's acting because it's it's not. I like um, and I don't know who said it. Uh, wrestling's reacting. You know, mm-hmm. because you you can change you change on the fly, but depending on what's happening, because you never know for sure what exactly is going to happen out there, and they don't always tell me, uh, you know, changes to the finish or something else is going to happen. But a lot of the time, I know exactly, you know, what's gonna gonna happen at the end of mm-hmm. the match, if not during, usually not not every every little minute new detail. Uh, when we do um, like television stuff, like when I work for uh, What Culture Pro Wrestling, and we did mm-hmm. like uh, pay per views and stuff. They went into more detail because it's it's on the minute. Uh, 1PW very, very professional. I'll, I'm, like I say, I'm not going to show you this, but I'll read uh, like one of their like their running order now, uh, and hopefully Stephen won't Stephen Gauntley won't go mad. Um, which which show is very it? very structured. So we can do the last one if you want. So all or nothing. Yep. This is, this, so this is all or nothing. This is production format. It says it's got the date: Doncaster, England. Uh, doors five o'clock. Kickoff match six fifteen. Main show six forty-five. And they've timed out everything, and it work, it works beautifully. It, it really mm-hmm. does. This is like how WWE do it. I worked for Impact, and it was like this for Impact, uh, where it was by minute. We went out live for the uh, the UK event a few years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like – so I'll just give you an example. So I've got the, the kickoff running order. Um, Which was uh, – at least if I can remember this rightly, it was Newman and Vusik versus Will Cruz and Amir Jordan. Well, even before that, even before that, they've got – um details so 515 kickoff package one 530 mm-hmm. kickoff activities and it tells you about Jesse Maria going out and Richard Young to interview fans Greg Burridge in ring interview uh but yeah if we go if we move down again this is so detailed and it's so brilliant because this is how you know major promotions do it uh kickoff segment so obviously the match changed a little bit so yeah Amir Jordan and Will Cruz versus Miles Kamen it was and and Vusik uh, so 6.15, Amir Jordan entrance, ring announces mm-hmm. music, uh, mick up. Uh, 6.16.30, Will Cruz entrance, ring announces mick up. 6.15.30, Miles Kamen entrance, ring announcer. And then it's got a guide here just telling you what the match is, how long mm-hmm. the match has got. Uh, the ring announcer, I did do that one, Jesse Maria. Uh, the referee, who the referee is, and uh, the finish. And it goes into detail like that, like the first one I did. Like it's got my little bit about going out, and it was timed so well that I mm-hmm. I didn't even know if I was going over or not. And then I'm looking at the, my time, and I'm like, this has worked so well. When it's organised like this, it's unbelievable. And I can't put 
wonky w over enough for doing it like this segment one again this is like when i work for impact so segment one here so we've got a little bit before that light show crowd shots uh obviously the opening sequence segment one will Ospreay versus bobby fish mm -hmm. 647 did it happen at 647 liam it's pretty close pretty close yeah pretty yeah will will osprey's music ring announces make up so that's when i start talking if you remember when the entrance is happening yep rather than before then uh 649 bobby fish entrance ring announces make up so there you go uh match will osprey versus bobby fish match duration i won't tell you how long that got ring announcer stevie aaron referee scott bell and then the finish yeah so i mean that is so well detailed but as Damn. for every little thing that happens in the match absolutely not no um if i need to know i need to know sometimes they don't want me to know sometimes changes do happen um mm -hmm. i remember being really surprised uh and i'm not going to say who again because i don't want to get too much away and i'm getting in trouble um <laughs> probably not but um last october you know one of the finishes completely different uh a different person went over um i only found out afterwards why that was there was a reason it was a good reason as well it wasn't uh you know fans so, like the whole last, oh last that time. person wouldn't job that person wouldn't and i'm like no it's not that there was a reason there was a good right. reason if i remember rightly last I'm October was a new a, no i'm not it's, it's um, <laughs> the paper i think was a new twist of fate if i remember rightly it was a new twist of fate and one of the one of the finishes i didn't know so i just went along with it and i'm like okay this person there was actually actually two finishes changed uh they did warn me about one of them they could but the work the work the, there was a reason see this is the thing you know you, you read stuff online and, mm -hmm. and fans get annoyed oh this person wouldn't job or this the, the famous one is the the, the heat the like uh hulk hogan gets like about him being a you know <laughs> an egomaniac and all this kind of stuff and he's like oh he wouldn't he wouldn't go over it doesn't work for me brother and yeah he, he, he probably did say that but the thing is there was a reason and you know wcw would daft enough to give him creative control anyway so he wasn't doing anything wrong was he i mean no not really no. contract, <laughs> you do the same <laughs> you know what i mean but but there's more to it it's not just a case i'm not jobbing there's a reason they're looking i think wrestlers a lot of them now particularly look it's it's good as well they look at a bigger picture it's like well if i lose here well what happens on the next event what happens after that what what, what reason is there for this you know and if there's no reason i think the within their right to, to speak up and say you know no it's like it's like the pit that the, the i don't mean to get onto this really but like the sasha banks and naomi thing if what came out is true and they were told this this is what's happening and then they went back on that i think they were within their rights just to walk out because it's like well they're not listening to us and i don't know if that's what happens mm -hmm. do you know what i mean there's, there's yeah. more to it there, there, there usually is more to it um I think it, it it's a, it, it's brilliant at one PW at the moment because I've never felt it like this before. And Stephen will agree, um, Stephen Gauntley, um, that there was um, um, I can't even put it into words really, but there was just a feeling that everyone's on the same side. Let's all mm -hmm. work together. I was there like four hours. Like my friend had a go at me because he was like, "Why do you want to go four hours before you know the the event?" And I was like because I want to know everything that's going on, like in terms of, of this, you know, like mm -hmm. this order and this happens here and this happens there. Not not what's happening in the match, but you know, what the, the order of events and this video is going to play and stuff. And he's like, you really need four hours for that. Well, when I arrived, they grabbed me straight away and I was there with them. I, you know, when, I had to meet the guys when they were coming through the curtain and I was in like the, the gorilla position, I suppose you'd call it, behind mm -hmm. the curtains. I was there all night until I went out 
and I was like, we will go through everything. Like, yes, yes, yes. And and, and and it's so much better. And I love it when everyone's doing that and all the production people, they're so good. And they deserve all the credit in the world. Um, whoever those guys were on production, I, I doubt the watcher, but I just, I want them to know that like, I, I really appreciated being in that kind of environment when you go to these other events and people really don't know what's happening and stuff and to have it so, you know, structured and stuff. And um, anyway, what was the question? <laughs> uh, we've got one more question for announcing them we'll obviously get into detail with 1pw so do you have any like preparation before you actually go out and obviously ring announce do you obviously i imagine your throat's a big part yeah i mean i don't look after it as well as i used to but i drink a lot of water i got i got addicted to water which isn't the worst thing in the world to get addicted to yeah. you know it, 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 it it's better than this but it's uh you know just drinking a lot of water uh before an event uh what i used to do uh funnily enough liam I always used to take my toothpaste and I used to get a shave before the, I, I don't know why I did that, but I just felt the need of like, I'm going to, uh, you know, brush my teeth, have a shave, uh, splash on a lot of uh, aftershave, just um, so that, you know, wrestling fans know that aftershave exists. No, I don't mean that. Um, well, <laughs> I used to be obsessed with just, I don't do that now. I, I do it before, you know, I get a shower before I set up in the car, depending on how, how far it's and stuff. But uh, um yeah, I sort of go back and forth. People see me. I go over the notes again and again, and I'm thinking about things. And I, you know, um, but the best feeling is the the best thing about wrestling um, for me is just just seeing people. You know, where you see people backstage and stuff, it's cool. I'm not saying everybody's like my best friend and stuff, but it, it it's better when you get on with everyone. I mean, I want to, you know, I'll give a big shout out to Martin Stone because uh, that really meant a lot to me, and it, it might have just been something in passing to him, but I hadn't seen him for over a decade, and. Um, he, he, he comes over, he walks through the curtain again. I'm there with production, trying to figure everything out. And he's just like, Stevie, he puts his hand out and we hugged and stuff. And it was like, man, I'm trying to work out the last time we've seen each other. And, you know, we, we sort of reminisced and talked a bit about a, a, a match he had with Iceman in the dorm years ago and where it was. And we were looking in, in the stands and stuff and stuff like that. You know, it, it, mm-hmm. it really means something to me. You know, when, when the guys shout you out and we sort of have our little in-jokes and stuff like that, it's like... Uh, you know, I, I don't want to kill Kefir, but like Lizzie's a character. Like, like she, she the, the last event, I wasn't going to say this, but, um, you know, she grabs me from behind and grabs me in a full Nelson. Just like, and I'm like, just getting attacked backstage, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, like, Lizzie's just a character. She, she's great. And and I just shout abuse at him and it's like, nah, you're not going over now. That's it. And <laughs> that's brilliant. Now, I just want to interrupt you slightly because you just mentioned Martin Stone. So, we said, obviously, that we have actually got a big guest coming on next month. I'm actually pleased to announce for people listening, the very person who Steve has just mentioned there, Martin Stone, will be on this very, very show on June the 3rd at this exact time. So, obviously, he's been he's got an amazing career. Obviously, he's been big part 1PW. He went on in NXT. He had a short stint in Impact. So, I'm super excited to obviously have him on the show. That's June 3rd at this exact time. Martin Stone will be on The Magic of Wrestling. Well, before we before we move on, Liam, if it's all right with you, I just want to mention. Um, so, so early on, uh, when I started working for for RQW, and I want to put RQW over because Len Davies, he was such a great guy, and he, he sadly passed away last year, and uh, he really did uh, live out his dream. Um, you know, he went to America and he was doing production, and he was trying to get you know different uh, sort of television projects and stuff off the ground, and um, he, he he really you know really meant well for British wrestling. I used to love. I, I used to travel in the car uh, with a group of guys uh, on a Sunday to do the, the television tapings for RQW. 
and uh, we'd travel hours and we'd get home at like six in the morning on the Monday. Um, mm -hmm. And and they all hated it. And and the reason they hated it, and I don't, I'm sure they don't mind me saying that because a lot of those guys aren't wrestling anymore. In fact, none of them are. So it doesn't matter. Um, I'm not going to say who it was still, but uh, they hated it because there was like 30 people in the crowd tops. Uh, you know, we were traveling for so long. Uh, it really brought them down. But I loved it because the production was something, you know, um, Len Davies, you know, he, he, he really put a lot of work into. If you go back and watch that stuff, from uh 2007 um onwards um he was you know he, he was doing stuff before it's time like the green stream he was doing like the virtual sort of studio and stuff and he would mm -hmm. present the events um and he and he promoted it and i remember the the knights were involved and helped promote it and stuff as well we were trying to do this this tv show and do tapings and stuff and i got to commentate with with dean Elias, who i haven't seen for years who i loved to bits and learned so much from him um, and I was uh, ringing out as well, so I was doing like double duty. But the, the point is, then the, the main guy that got behind was Martin Stone. And the same thing happened when FWA came back as well, a sort of similar setup, um, except it was, you know, it was it was run by Alex Shane. Alex Shane had been involved in RQW as well. And uh, they were pushing like Martin Stone as the main guy. And, and I think the reason for that was he was a great all rounder, he had a great look. Uh, he looked so much better than the majority of, of, of UK wrestlers and stuff. I mean, even, even back then, you know, Martin Stone, uh, mm -hmm. we invested a, a lot into, and I completely understand why. So I, I just want you, you know, when you speak to, you know, Martin, you maybe get his opinion on that and see what he thinks. But uh, but Len Davies, yeah, he was he was such a good guy, and I really wish I'd, I'd got to see him in person again. Yeah, absolutely. I will obviously mention that on the show. So next little segment we've got, obviously, 1PW is obviously a big part of you now. So obviously, 1PW came back in October. So after, a, I think, was it 17-year hiatus? Is that wrong or, or along that line? No, it's it started 17 years before that. I heard you say <laughs> that, and I was like, no, what's he talking about? That's That was the first 1PW in 2005. It'd okay. been, without Stephen Gauntley, though, it had been over a decade, so... Yeah. Okay. Okay. So yeah, obviously they made the re high big return after a, a, so many years out. I'll just say that without getting that wrong. <laughs> but <laughs> so I want to rewind a little bit. Obviously, how did you obviously know that obviously one PW was obviously coming back? I can tell you the date. We can. Well, I can't tell you the date, but we can work it out. So okay. if you could do that, Liam, because I'm going to tell you when it was. <laughs> so there was this event, and it was called uh, WrestleGate. And okay. uh, they did a matinee show. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm going to just fill you this in why I was there. Um, so it was with New Generation Wrestling, who I work for and who I love, the people uh, behind New Generation Wrestling. They're based in the Hull area. And we did the uh, sort of uh, afternoon event. And then they did an event on the evening. Now, this show is historic because this was the card. This is in 2019 where Pac wrestled Hangman Adam Page. Oh, okay. instead of the AEW event. So the AEW pay-per-view was going to happen, if you remember the first one, mm -hmm. and it had that match, Pac versus uh, Adam Page. And there was reasons why Pac couldn't go and uh, and do the pay-per-view with Adam Page. So they did the match as a surprise at this yep. WrestleGate event. And I knew it was happening. And I was actually in the crowd. And I was like, I can't wait for this reaction when they realise Adam Page is here and he plays his music, he comes out. And uh, there was a group of guys there that I recognised from the old one PW. And I'm like, oh, it's cool to see you. And I remember having a big chili dog and a beer. And I'm like, I did the afternoon event. I'm going to sit around, watch watch this tonight's show. And um, 
And I'm like, that's a shame Stephen Gauntley isn't here. And I didn't recognise the guy. I'm sorry, Stephen, I didn't recognise you. And he was there right in the middle, big grin on his face. And he's going, how are you doing, Steve? And I'm like, I don't believe it's you. So I give him a big hug. And then uh, we got talking and very quickly, he's gone. You know, are you going to come back, Steve? And I'm like, well, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, PW, we're going to bring it back. And, and, and I want you there. You're the second person I'm going to book. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And it's like, Steve, if you run the Doncaster tournament, then I'm not even going to think about it. I'll be there. So if you can find that date when it was the week before the, the first day, W pay-per-view, that uh, WrestleGate show where it was Pack versus, uh, I should have uh, researched this. Hangman yeah, I should have as well. And it was me in the it? comments. Do you want me to look? Yeah, go on. I, I trust yeah. your judgment. Well, I trust me on. Okay. Versus Hangman. I'm sure you can just type in. Adam Page. Back versus Hangman Adam Page. There it is. Uh, it says 5th of the 18th in Nottingham. So that'll be right. So this is the 18th of May. Um, so nearly exactly four years ago. Wow. In Nottingham, England. There you go. Uh, that was when I knew that 1PW was definitely coming back. Mm. Rumoured, but I expected it to. After <laughs> speaking to Stephen, he was so enthusiastic. And then uh, sadly, uh, you know the, the the covid thing happened and then um um it worked out quite well though given what yeah. happened with with british wrestling after that obviously nxt uk you know going down and and uh you know the, the all the things that happened during the pandemic i don't want to get into that really but you know yeah. what i'm talking about and uh mm -hmm. and then steve's like this is the time and it's like it's just worked out so well and it's just the the planets in alignment or whatever you want to call it whatever you believe in it's uh, it just happened yeah absolutely so obviously what was that like for you obviously doing the first one pw event once that once once they came back it was it was awesome but you know it was um it was um it was a learning um what's the word it was a learning experience but it was um because the, the reason i say that was because we thought like they it, it was cool because i went out and people knew who i was um mm -hmm. But some of the the the, the people from and I don't know why that is. Some of the 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 the, the people from uh, previous sort of one PW events and stuff didn't get over as well as we we thought they would. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's it maybe because I've sort of kept on going and I did like World Culture Pro Wrestling and um, you know uh, NGW. I don't do as many events as as I used to, and I can obviously talk about that later. But um, you know, there was people who hadn't wrestled for a long time, and uh, and and they showed up. And I I don't know. I mean, no offense to like Greg Burridge and uh, and Colt Cabana, because I think if they did get over, and people obviously know Colt and um, you know Greg has uh, you know not wrestled so much. I, I don't know if he considers himself part time or partially retired or what. Now you you would have to ask him, and I'm sure he's got lots of great stories as well. Um, but. Um, you know, I, I I don't know how well they remember Team Shag from, you know, years ago. And I, I'm I'm not disrespecting, you know, those guys. Please, I don't want hate for that. But um, just when you know when they came out and stuff, and uh, and you know he did his uh, you know his sort of blur rendition of that of that song. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it it got over in time, I think, and and just the one PW chant as well. There was a bit. I'll be honest. Like I thought. I would be I would have been close to tears and it didn't it didn't quite happen at first it was it was strange um because I'm stood in the ring and uh Stephen told me to mil milk it and milk it and milk it until I raised the the microphone and announced the event and the first match 
and uh, there was there was a bit of a chant and stuff, but it wasn't quite as loud. And it only got loud, I think, when they seen Robbie X versus um, Ace Austin. Austin. And it got and that match was so great. And for me, probably the match of the night. Um, uh, you know, it got over so well. And uh, and then the one PW chant came later, and I think. It was a combination of people being maybe too young for the previous one PW, the fan base changing, um, people not knowing what to expect due to you know various reasons, you know the ups and downs of one PW, and then when it came, it was after that match and after the next match, and it was going boom, 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 and suddenly it was getting over, and then there was a big one PW chant. You know, it was like okay, we know what this is now. You know, they didn't know what to expect, so it came later in the evening, and I thought it would have been from the start. Um, but it was uh, it was an experience. Yeah, it was great. Absolutely, and obviously, fast forward then was obviously no turning back. Which the main event look this this was probably my match, and I still watch this match back now. Which Robbie X, obviously the Lincoln Boy versus Will Osprey. I mean, I absolutely love the back story to this. The whole match is I love it. Do you know I mean, I look this is probably one of my favorites. Do you know, since obviously the return. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. It was it was it was really good. Um, Lincoln was different again, though, because when I went out at the start, there was um, for whatever reason, and you can ask. Uh, I was with Jesse Maria, obviously, uh, you know, newer sort of announcer. After you know, I don't know how long she's done it for. We both went out at the start just to explain to the crowd, and that was why we did it um, to explain to them that the the lights are going to go dark, and and then the the video is going to play, um, and then. You know the lights and the cameras will be on you and then we want you to cheer uh, it might have been ignorance on our part i don't know but in october we just assumed that people would react like like they do you know on a, mm-hmm. a, a we pay-per-view or aw or whatever where the lights just come on after the video but for some reason they didn't pick up on that on the first one i don't think and then on this one i explained it to them but they were red hot from the moment i went out in lincoln because I just remember going out, and again, I had the, the, the junior books or whatever you want to call it, and I was just like, all right, Lincoln! And I was just like, you know, a kiss concert or something. And it was just <laughs> like, oh, yeah, this is class, because we're all sort of cramped together. I don't know if you felt that energy. It was different sort of vibe again. I'm not saying Lincoln's better than Doncaster, by the way. I'm just saying it was just completely different energy. Mm-hmm. Um, but that match, yeah, that match was unbelievable. And I will tell you this, we thought that the may, the may have gone over 30 minutes, Um and they didn't quite get to it, but it was it was still a long match. It was still a great match. And Will wasn't feeling too well that day. And to do that, I mean, the guy is a freak. Um, I think it was um, it wasn't long after that. I was listening to uh, Meltzer. It was a wrestling observer radio, and um, whatever you think of him, I mean, he was spot on what he said. He was just like, um, if you've got the chance to go see Will Osprey, go see him because he's um, he's not going to phone it in. It, like even, and I'm not saying one PW is on the level of. You know, one of these mm-hmm. nothing in the events that happen out there. Um, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, it, it, it doesn't matter what the event is. It doesn't matter if it's in Wrestle Kingdom or if it's um, at your local town hall or whatever. Will Ospreay is just going to go and he's just going to put it on like it's the biggest match in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's his attitude to everything. And that match, he knew that, um, t- to be honest, I thought he was going to get booed. I don't know if you thought that. I did. I mean, I, 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 I thought we were going to... Yep. Yeah. I honestly thought he was going to get booed, obviously, Robbie being the hometown boy, but the crowd was kind of torn. I mean, obviously, you got Will Ospreay, one of the biggest names, and yeah, I felt like the crowd was so torn, but the atmosphere for that match, for me, was absolutely second to none. It was incredible, and the story they told, just watching it, you know, all these people who say, like, Will Ospreay is just a spot monkey, you know, that 
they're completely missing. You know what? What, what are they talking about? I mean, I watched Tim and Kenny at uh, Wrestle Kingdom, and I'm just like, everything they did made sense for that story. It really did. It was like, there's just every little thing. I'm just like, this is this is absolutely incredible. Like what he does, what he does every time, just his movement, his. I, I, again, you know, I struggle to put Will Ospreay into words because he's just. He, he is unbelievable and he deserves to be on top of that Wembley Stadium show and hopefully he'll have the 1PW belt with him, but we'll see. There you go. <laughs> Matt might have something to say about that. But we, we shall see. But yeah, obviously, after not turning back, obviously recently we've had all or nothing where we got four champions crowned. Obviously, Robbie mm. X became the openweight champion. Lizzie Evo became the women's champion. Will Osprey became the world champion and Boisterous Disastrous became the tag team champions. Boisterous behaviour. Boisterous, uh, well, yeah, yeah. What did you say? Boisterous disaster. I don't even know where I've just said that for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, but obviously four new champions were crowned. Unbelievable. Do you know what I mean? Uh, some, yeah. Some, some Again, I was worried how long that event was going to go. And I, I questioned it with Stephen and said, you know, this is uh, there's a lot going on on this card. And then when we finished earlier than uh, uh, a new twist of fate, and even no turning back, I think. I was quite surprised. Uh, but there, there was a lot going on. Um, I'm glad everybody followed it okay. Mm-hmm. What what I was happy about, actually, in, in a funny sort of way, as much as uh, people were annoyed that, like, like Cody didn't win the title at WrestleMania and stuff, was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we did a finish, I think, and people were happy with it. There's a video on YouTube. I don't know who did it. Uh, you might have seen it yourself, Liam, uh, mm-hmm. where it's, it's, it's on a, a fan's phone. And it's when... Um, Kara Noir's got uh, Mark Haskins in, in his submission finisher. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh! And they think that's the finish. And then they see in the corner that Will Ospreay's got the referee. And then when he goes over and he you know, hits his finish, gets the pin. And then there's still a pop, even though some people wanted Kara Noir to win. Mm-hmm. They were still quite pleased that Will Ospreay won, if that makes sense. And I think... Yeah. Um, you know, even though I'm I'm a big uh, fan of you know uh, definitive heel, definitive face, and at the moment we've got shades of grey with Will, you know, because he's obviously got the heel attitude, but people still like him because he's a great mm-hmm. worker and stuff. Um, I think it, you know that everyone was satisfied. I didn't see anybody that was uh, unsatisfied with 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 the champion, to be honest. Um, so we're doing something right in that regard. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We obviously you tell, you tell me. <laughs> yeah, we said it obviously on our review show, which obviously we did for one PW and Paul, who obviously was obviously on the show, he said that the four people in that main event, obviously Mark Haskins, Lance Archer, Karen Noir, Will Ospreay, I, he would have been happy with any single one of them people, Joe the Champions, which yeah. that says a lot for obviously one PW. And I loved it, uh, Lance Archer as well, uh, went into the, the four-way match because um, I think, you know, the obvious thing to do, and, and a lot of people did predict this, would be, you know, the, the, those four mainstays, you know, talking about Nathan Cruz going over instead, and that they would have expected that. And the fact that it didn't happen, and uh, I think it was right that it didn't happen, and, and, and Nathan Cruz has got his obvious, um, uh, you know, issues with D'Lo at the moment. Um, I think, it, you know, it's, it's another story. So if he's got another story, he's going to be occupied with that whilst... You know, someone like Lance Archer. Well, I, I don't know if you ever thought that at any point, Liam. Um, if anybody ever thought that maybe Lance Archer's winning the title, but you never say never. When you know why? Why has no. he won that? You know what I mean? I don't know if that was in, you know, maybe put in people's heads and thought, well, 
that's interesting. Where are they going with this? And he's been announced for the next event. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I'm, yeah. I, I think that's the 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 you know, like you say, any one of those could have won it, and that might be you know the um, what what what's the poker term? Um, I don't know. My mind's gone blank now. <laughs> but you know, out of those four guys, yeah, he might be last on the list to to, to win the title. But um, it's still a possibility, you know. And I, I yeah. like that. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. So, obviously, next up, we've got Devil's Do, which, obviously, I'm going to be there as well. Um, I mean, there's four big matches obviously been announced already. We've obviously got Matt Cardona versus Will Ospreay. Everyone's mm-hmm. looking forward to that one. We've got Robbie X versus Trey J, now Trey, Miguel. And I'm actually looking forward to this. I think that's going to surprise a few people. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, Trey Miguel's unbelievable. Um yeah, I, I don't know. That that could be that could be the one, you know. That could be, yeah. could be the standout match. And then obviously we've got Luke Jacobs versus Irai, and then recently Scotty Rock versus Zachary Wentz, which I think that's another good one. I mean, one thing I like, and obviously we spoke about this before we came on the air, is obviously we've seen these wrestlers like in mixed tag matches, obviously like six pack challenges, but now we're going to see them one on one in a in ring. Fold. Yep. So I'm yeah. actually looking forward to that. So. And this was one of the things that I w- I'll just quickly say. This was one of the things the original One BW was criticised for, and it shows how the fan base has changed as well. Because um, um, you know, a lot of people were like, "Why aren't they putting the British guys over?" And whereas now, some people were surprised at some of the the finishes on on the last few events that we've had, where they're like, "Oh, the American guy didn't win there. That's 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 interesting. Why didn't you put?" Um, you know, the, the, this person over, I, like like Jim, the Jimmy Hater thing. I did, I did read a few people were, were quite surprised that Martina, uh, you know, pinned her, and it was like, why am I putting Jimmy Hater? Well, the answer is obviously Jimmy Hater is not going to be back on the next. <laughs> she might be back one day, but at the moment, you know, do you know what I mean? And it just shows how the fan base has has changed, and the don't. I'm not going to say they don't understand certain things, but there's there's a reason for that. I will be honest, I was a bit surprised that obviously uh, Jamie lost as well. But do you know what? In a good way, I'm like, okay, I'm a surprise deal. Let's see where they go with this. Yeah. And that's obviously from a fan's point of view. So, yeah, one last thing for obviously the one PW section. What can fans expect from Devil's You? Can you get anything away? Anything at all? I don't want to give away. I will say that I, I like this event as a more sort of traditional wrestling fan. I think there was a lot of gimmick matches on the last event, which is good, and we were making new champions. But now the, the direction started. You know, that was a, a chance to, to to show who the new champions are and sort of tell that story. That's the end of kind of um, – it's not even the, the first chapter. It's kind of like the prelude uh, that's mm-hmm. finished now, that, that – part of uh, of one pw and now this is uh the fresh chapter so you're gonna see a lot more uh traditional matches but it's a chance uh for the guys instead of sort of um you know working um you know the gimmick not to say that, that that's necessarily a bad thing but it's going to be you know strictly one-on-one matches tag matches of course all the matches haven't been announced yet and i, I don't want to give anything away but um yeah, the matches that have been announced, you know, let, let's let's see a few surprises in them non-title uh, matches. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, obviously, that wraps up the one PW section. Now, obviously, we've been speaking, obviously, back and forth, obviously, on Messenger. And if I say Inside the Ropes, I'll let you tell people all about it. Yeah, so, so Inside the Ropes magazine, uh, there it is. Uh, obviously, uh, it's in the shops now. Uh, you can uh, subscribe to this. Uh, this uh, came out during the, the the pandemic, and people were like, "Why are they releasing a magazine during the pandemic? It's crazy." 
Um, but, but what happened was uh, with the editor, uh, they, they contacted me and they were asking me, is there anyone who can review uh, like wrestling video games? Because they thought it'd be, you know, a different sort of interesting section. And uh, I couldn't really think of anybody to put them in touch with. Um, but um, I ended up doing it myself. So there's uh, my, my uh, 2K23 review for that issue. So this is the, the latest one that's out. Uh, the new one will be out soon. That what, what you showed in there is WrestleMania the arcade game review from mm -hmm. the month before. Um, but each month I'd sort of just randomly just just pick a game out from the past. And the, the, the thing with wrestling games, I mean, we didn't really talk about my fandom much, but um, I, I'm kind of part of um, Gen X, I suppose, rather than you. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 obviously, you're a, you're a millennial, uh, uh, Liam. Uh, mm -hmm. Not that I've got anything against that because I'm I'm nearly there, but not quite. Uh, I think we were the first uh, generation uh, to experience uh, sort of the, the the video game thing. Obviously, Ryzen. I had an Atari uh, twenty six hundred. I had a ZX Spectrum. I had a Commodore sixty four. I had an Amiga. And then I had um, later. I've had so many consoles. I had a Super Nintendo. And uh, I was quite lucky at the time, um, even though it was uh, kind of illegally um, get <laughs> able to get hold. <laughs> Of uh, of these amazing uh, wrestling games from Japan, like the the Fire Pro Wrestling series, and uh, and stuff that just wasn't released in the West. Mm -hmm. And uh, through a friend, and uh, you, you know, we played all these uh, wrestling games early. Uh, played wrestling games from the, the PS One era again; they were in the infancy, and sort of seen them come up and evolve and stuff. So really, the editor was like, "Why don't Why don't you just write them?" And uh, you know, I'm not a, I'm not an influencer. I'm not a YouTuber. I've I've written sort of fan reviews in the past online before. But I don't I don't even claim to really be a critic. I'm just someone who's who kind of grew up with them. I'm not you know an expert on the subject matter or anything like that. Though I do my research for each each game. But when I stop and think about it, I've played you know so many wrestling games over the years. They're just hundreds of the things, and uh, probably most of them. Um, so I thought, well, I'll, I'll just write it as long as I've got complete freedom and they give me that. They just say you can just you can review current games, which I do. Um, but I can also go in the past and just pick something out. Sometimes I do something really obscure. I reviewed a game last year, maybe in the year before, actually, um, which was on the Amiga that I really liked. Um, mm -hmm. And I couldn't find hardly anything about it online called uh, TNT Wrestling. And it was actually a public domain game. Uh, and this is like in the early 90s and stuff. I was like, I want to write about that. I want to put that in. So along with the sort of classic WE games that everyone, you know, loves and stuff, the SmackDown games. And, you know, I haven't I haven't done a No Mercy review. I know when I'm going to do that. that that's coming because everyone sort of uh, holds that on the pedestal as the sort of greatest, uh, even though there's, there's others I actually prefer. But I'm not going to I'm not going to diss No Mercy. I wouldn't dare because uh, I'll get hate mail. Um, but. You know, I've I've been lucky to sort of uh, sort of grow up with them and stuff. So I, I just like to each month. It's just a small article, uh, write about um, wrestling video games, and and that's about it. That's as far as it goes with Inside the Ropes. But obviously, uh, check them out Inside the Ropes magazine. You can subscribe to, and it does really well considering you know the print format's supposed to be dead. You can get it digitally as well, um, and it's it's a great mag. And Finn Martin writes for them. Who wrote for Power Slam? Who was a big influence in the 90s i think more than he thinks and i've had the pleasure to meet finn in person um you know with power slam magazine and superstars of wrestling before that mm -hmm. great guy um you know taught us so much in the 90s about other wrestling promotions outside the wf if it wasn't for him i wouldn't have known about ecw and 
you know, Japan and all these other places around the world. So um, it's 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 very the stuff by Finn is is uh, far better written, and that doesn't even you know that's bad grammar as well uh, than anything that I could write. But he's uh, <laughs> but uh, the the edit is all over my stuff. Don't worry about that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's a great mag, and I recommend it. And I'm not just saying that because I like you. <laughs> there you go, there you go. So you've pretty much covered everything now. So the last thing I've got is it's called. I'm sure, obviously, you've been obviously traveling a lot of it, so I'm sure you've got some stories to tell. So we've got a bit of time. So go on, okay. Ali, tell a couple of stories, one or two. There's, there's a lot of. I was thinking about this, you know. That there's a lot of stories where the kind of stupid in jokes where you would have to know the characters, usually me, uh, to understand the humor <laughs> that, that we all have. Um, but the, there, there is a few. Um, oh gosh, uh, I've obviously talked talked about the steak one with Adam Brown. Uh, just just daft things like that um i remember we did um i think it was an rqw event i'm pretty certain it was i don't know where it was it was maybe at your call maybe and um what i tend to do uh liam i, I do um have my cue cards but sometimes i like to you'll notice i do both i, I sometimes like to memorize it sometimes i don't depending mm-hmm. on the situation um because look, anybody that's criticised, and again, you talk about fans being too harsh about things. Anyone who's criticising a ring announcer for having cue cards, look, they've got them in the UFC. You know, Bruce yeah. Buffer's the man. He is. He is so good. As a matter of fact, just a name drop. I had a good conversation about Bruce Buffer and Michael Buffer with Jim Cornette when he was sober for what culture, and he told me he's like, you know, um, how come no one says, um, you know wrestling out of you know when you're in the hometown you know everyone says fighting because that's what we do we're doing Bruce for impressions me and Cornette and we go fighting out of New York City and he's like you know no one says wrestling out of so I, I've do, I do that sometimes you know I might not do it for one BW but I've done it for a few places and I, I think it's kind of cool anyway uh my point was I was memorizing the main event for this RQW show and I'm in the ring and I've memorized um you know each guy's weight hometown everything that's going to happen including you know it's one fall uh, i think it was 60 minute time limit it's for the fwa british heavyweight champion chip <laughs> and uh, i even know the referee all right so i'm in the ring and i say that and then i'm like the man in charge of the action when the bell rings mr andy quilden and uh, some of the fans are laughing because I noticed that there's nobody in the referee. There's nobody in the ring. There's no referee in the ring. I'm like, <laughs> where's the referee? And then I realise what they're laughing at. And he comes up and uh, just taps me on the shoulder. And it's Steve. I can't tell you what he said, but it's Steve Linsky. It's not Andy Quilden. Now, I don't know if you know Andy Quilden. No, I don't. He runs Rev Pro. <laughs> um, um, how, how can I describe him? So <laughs> they're going to hate me for this. So he, he's a, he's a at the time he's a thin black guy, and Steve Linsky is a big sorry Steve I love you a bit but he was he, at the time he was bigger, just you know uh, just milk white guy he's just the whitest guy in the world, <laughs> and I'm like oh no, and then but the thing is you know I can quickly improvise and I'm like well it appears FWA management or AQW management have appointed. A new referee for this match, Steve <laughs> Linsky. And I like to quickly improvise. But I don't know, I'm going to chuckle out of that because it's just like, oh, man, I, you know, I had that memorised perfectly and then it's a different guy in the ring and stuff. Um, other things, uh, stories and stuff. Um, 
just really stupid ribs and stuff, you know. I can remember uh, somebody put a lot of onions in my bag one time, which was stupid because I give them, I give them hell and you know ruined my bag. Thanks for that. I know it was. Um, <laughs> um, stupid things. I can't really think of any good ones. There was one venue. There was this idiot, right? And I don't mind calling him an idiot because he's not involved now, and he just wanted to be involved in wrestling, but he was no good at anything. And uh, we went into the venue. And they were really strict and it was like a town hall and the guys like uh this floor is immaculate i want it to stay immaculate you know it's it's polished it's shine you can see your reflection in the floor so put the mats down put the ring down carefully you know i don't want a single scratch on this floor for a wrestling event i mean come on but anyway <laughs> this guy comes in the idiot and he's just dragging the ropes like this and uh you know like the the hook <laughs> like the metal hook on the end of the ropes. He's just dragging that across the floor and it's just magic. Just on cue, just walks in at the time and it's like, oh, what have you done? What are you doing? No, you're going to... just I, Actually, it's like a sitcom. Like, just on cue. And it was just like, man. But just stupid stuff like that. Um, I'm trying to think of anyone in specific I could talk about, but not really i'm sure something will come back to me later maybe i'll come on again liam and we can talk about that sort of thing but uh, yeah maybe maybe we can yeah. do a part two and just have a story <laughs> from steven i'd have to start <laughs> thinking though but you know it's cool yeah i did want to i did want to name drop a few people but it, i will say you know it was cool uh you know just a few years in you you know you're announcing you know working for one particular union you're announcing uh aj styles and christopher daniels who i was a big fan of and you know the TNA guys are there and stuff, and meeting Tracy Smothers, who was such a great guy. He he was he was awesome, and and then you get to drink with them and stay out, you know, out with them late in the hotel. Uh, and Abyss, just listening to Abyss talk about how he put matches together and talking to his opponent and stuff was just amazing. Uh, but I remember like a fan showing up one time um, at the hotel, found out where the wrestlers were, and. He was dead. He, that was over for him because, you know, he decided to take chops and some more Joe's there and some more Joe's chopping the guy and then everyone's chopping. I think AJ was there, maybe AJ, and Daniels was definitely having a go and uh, and just watching all these, you know, big name wrestlers just chop this poor kid and stuff was awesome. And then, uh, you know, just a, a couple of years later, meeting, the you know, and getting to announce the great moot is something I never thought would happen. Uh, just feeling his presence i can't even describe it liam it's insane i'm in the ring and i'm doing my best uh you know uh, gary michael capetta how he used to announce it where it's like the great Muta. i'm doing my best uh, uh, gary michael uh, it was so good and i'm in the ring uh doing my gary capetta and he's in the aisleway and i can feel him like i can feel the guy's presence and he's like great Muta, and it's like it's amazing and uh you know announcing bret hart and uh, you know, getting his picture just before we step through the curtain, because that thing about you know you don't you don't get pictures with people if you're in the business and stuff. It's like the certain people where yes you do, and you should get pictures with people anyway, because one day you'll regret it. You know, you really will. And it's funny how many people I miss now and stuff. But um, and 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 Ric Flair as well. I got to do the Q and A at One PW with with Flair. And this was the same year he'd done the WrestleMania match with Shawn Michaels and stuff, and um, just going backstage and. And uh, I thought I was in like a, a raw nitro skit or something. So <laughs> I just went because I go in and, and Flair's there and he's got his own dressing room. And uh, and before before we went out, actually, I'd said to him because I don't know if you know the controversy about how many championships he's really held. So yes, it's, it's like you know, yeah. so people say he's, he's sixteen-time world champion, but it's like really it's twenty-two, 
right? So I'm like, I'm like, I'm saying to him, I'm just like, so how, how do you want to be? He's like, whatever you want, whatever you want, man, and all this. And I'm like, okay. And uh, I go out there, and I was like, I've got to introduce Ric Flair. It's like, how do I do this? And uh, I give him this big intro. And this is what I was told later. So he's about to come out, and he's behind the curtain. And he's gone, oh, he knows his stuff, right? He's like, oh, yes, Steve, Steve knows his stuff. And then I, I, I ended up saying, how can I say that? I got right to the end, and I says, perhaps the greatest of all time. <laughs> behind the curtain, apparently, he went, perhaps, perhaps, <laughs> right? And then he came out and he gets to the back and he goes, You were doing so well up until perhaps. And I just cheered and I went, All right, the greatest of all time, Rick Flair. And he kind of popped and stuff. That was, that was awesome. And then later on in the night when I introduced him, he got in and he said, I love you, man. And I was like, Oh man, this is this is insane. Um, but I went I went backstage after the QA. And uh, it was like being in a raw skit or a nitro skit, like backstage. He was just in character. And I, I go in and I go, thank you, Mr. Flair. And I'm like, and he goes, oh, you did great out there. But listen, these ladies, they're really smitten with you. And I listen, it's like, this is mad. He's in character all the time. He is he's not a character. He, he is Ric Flair. And same with the eye in cheek, you know, when he was at 1PW and going over to him. And, and he's like, you are as good as Howard Finkel tonight. And it's like, oh, this is amazing. And he's like, I want to give you something, Stevie. And he pulls out the picture. I'm going to sign this to Stevie. And he's got this, obviously, his, uh, his 8 by 4s or whatever they are. I don't know. And he's signing it. And he's asking me how to spell Stevie. S-T-E-V-I. And he's, you know, yeah, I think he got it right in the end. I should have done that out, actually. And then he went, <laughs> it is a picture of me making Warrior humble. And it was just like, this is class. This is amazing. This is what I want. This is what bothers me now, though. I'm going to just rant here in just a second. And just say very quickly, because I could go on about it all day. But I don't know why everyone's so boring now, Liam. All these new wrestlers. Like, they're not crazy. They're not out there. They're not, I, I want to see, like, people like Macho Man and Roddy Piper. And I just want to see them just on another planet go backstage and just, like, be really over the top. Not not to be a prick to me or anything, but just to be just a bit more, <laughs> you know. They're all introvert now. It's boring. <laughs> well... <laughs> Uh, this has been fun. Do you know what? Maybe we should get you back on for a part two. Do you know? Because this yeah. has been so much fun, you know? I don't know what else we could talk about, but I'll come up with something. Um, the... A lot of it's a blur. I will say that. Look, when I, when I go back and I think of the last 20 years, it, it really is. I don't know what happened in my 20s. And uh, I will say this very quickly because I, I did want to say this. Um, I was doing it for a while, um, you know, every week, mm-hmm. two times a week, three times a week, which was pretty good at the time for a ring announcer in the UK, right? Um, not everybody's doing that. I don't know if anybody else was doing that. Just up and down the country. Didn't mention SWA much there, so I apologize about that because that was a big part of um, what I was doing at the time. But there was a point when I'm, I'm doing these uh, the, these shows at like um, uh, you know, like community centers and, and town halls and stuff, and they're drawing like 30 people and 50 people. And, and no offense to anyone that tours, I'm not knocking you. If you're doing it all the time, you're going to get you know, the bad um, draw every now and again. Um, uh, but these places that just, you know, where these guys are just wrestling green guys and they're, they're not willing to learn and they're doing it part-time and they're doing it for their own enjoyment and they're, all, and they're going, like, you know, running uh, once every two months. And it's like, that really used to bring me down. It's like, why, why am I here on a Saturday night, you know, in front of, like, 30 people? And I'm just saying the names. So I don't know how it gets to some wrestlers, particularly when there's old-timers there and they're going out. And it's like, what what are you getting out of this? I think you've really got to love wrestling for that, you know, regardless of what they're getting paid, because it won't be as much as 
what they deserve um and you know i remember someone saying to me once it's like you're getting paid more than some of the the, the, the people on the show and i'm like well maybe they should talk to the promoter about that because that that's not right to me you know um mm -hmm. but i stopped doing a lot of those shows because i was like this, this, i don't want to I, I sound terrible for saying that because it sounds like the glory hound who only wants to do one pw and do these these big events in arenas and stuff but it's, it's not like that it's just like you know what are you doing what uh, my question would be to those people what are you getting from from that and i get if you're new and you're looking for new places to work but if you've been doing that over a number of years and i do know people uh, I'm not going to say who, because you, you won't know who they are anyway, that have been doing <laughs> it five, ten years in these small community centres, and that's all they do in front of nobody. And it's like, what? why? What are you getting out of that? What are you doing wrong? Think about yourself. Think about what you're doing. There's too many people who want to be pro wrestlers that have never looked in the mirror and asked themselves, should I be a pro wrestler? And that's what I did 20 years ago, and it made a big difference. That's all I want to say about that. Awesome. That's a great, great thing to end on. So before we do our outro, Stevie, is there anything you want to plug, my friend? Um, not really. Uh inside the ropes, as I say, I um, you know, I love uh what you guys do. I love uh, you know, I don't know if you call yourself an influencer, Liam. I love uh, you know, the you YouTubers and stuff, what what they're doing, but there's too many of them, so I'm never gonna do it. Um uh that, that's just my opinion. Um I wish you the best success, though. Um, <laughs> there's uh, just could come to one PW. We didn't talk about Steve. He's such a good guy. Um, he really is trying his best. Um, if if he if he hurt anybody in the past, he he believe me. He's so he's such a good person at heart that I think he would want to make amends with them, um, even if they're not going to listen to him, if they're not going to talk to him, whatever the case may be. Um, but I think you'll agree, Liam, that one uh, PW these last based on these last three events. They are, um, you know, really good shows. People mm -hmm. will enjoy them. Non-fans will enjoy them. The production's out of this world. When I seen that, you know, their, their video wall, the one PW Tron or whatever you want to call it, and you can nickname it, I'm sure you will. Um, I was like, yeah, this, this is what it's all about. This is what I want to do. Um, so keep supporting that. I want to give a shout out to New Generation Wrestling as well that mean a lot to me and really give me my love back for pro wrestling that's going back like 10 years ago now when i was getting sick of these nothing shows but the whole city hall they never get talked about online you should review them because it's like they're so ignored they had a tv show for a while it was on the 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 local channel it's not at the moment uh depending where you lived um i can't remember the name of that local channel was it estuary or something um mm -hmm. i think i think it was estuary um but yeah they've got an event coming up 23rd of june um so that's a big one that's uh one of the anniversary event i can't remember what year they'll be up to now i think it's a 15th anniversary event um adam maxted great guy he's their champion uh they've got a, the destiny rumble at that event as well and then of course 10th of june is the big one uh devil's due one pw devil's due there's a few promotions around here that i'm working with at the moment there's wrestling in newcastle which is a good event um mm -hmm. good they've, they've, they've done one event that was really great dean Allmark was on there he's so underrated nobody ever talks about him it was good great like i say wrestling it's like a family uh but yeah like you get to catch up with people you haven't seen for years so i'll give a shout out to tim strange um who i i hadn't seen for years he's a big guy and he's doing like a, a stan hansen sort of cowboy gimmick and he's kind of legit as well because he, he went to america and he's got his cowboy hat made and everything he's a good guy from canada um 
uh, who else is there? Um, I work for uh, Avantgarde Wrestling, you know, also in Newcastle. Um, someone I'm going to forget and I'm going to get into trouble and I don't want to. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's a few places I'm working at the moment, but support British wrestling um, to, to all the fans out there, even though I've dismissed some of it. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, um, I think uh, we do appreciate the likes of yourselves, Liam, is what I would say, that we really do. That's a problem. On behalf of everyone else. I just want to give a shout out to, to Martin Bushby as well, because he was the he used to have a podcast and he was the last person I spoke to about you know the things I'd done in wrestling going back a few mm -hmm. years ago now. So hello Martin, I know you're watching, and uh, I'm sure those other people I wanted to mention as well, but maybe we can do it again. And yeah, absolutely. We'll <laughs> I know you... I've screwed up there. <laughs> That's fine. We'll definitely get you back in for a part two. So yeah, oh, as Stevie man. mentioned there, uh, Devil's Jew is out on June 10th. I will be there. I've got the all access, so I might see you backstage, possibly. Possibly. Yeah, I'm always busy during the events, but I might be messing around. Lizzie might get me in a full Nelson something. I don't know, but you, you never know what might happen. Um, also on, on Fight TV, I mean, the pay-per-view, uh, I didn't see the last one, but I heard the, the production was tremendous. The people who are doing that, give a shout out to, um, you know, the people behind the scenes because they're making it happen right now. Big time. Absolutely. Absolutely. So don't forget, you can head to ProWrestlingTees.com slash wrestling. You can buy yourself a nice little t-shirt. We've got the, the All Effing Wrestling shirt, which was modeled by, do you know who this is? I can't tell because, hang on. <laughs> who is it? It's Natalia Markova. Is it? Yep. How did you get hurt? We've got eyes, eyes and ears. <laughs> and also you can get the, the Magic of Wrestling t-shirt, which is modeled by my good friend Dollywood right there. Very good. And if you like old school wrestling, get head to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash Adrian Adonis, which is going to be out oh, wow. dark, it's going to be out for Dark Side of the Ring. I cannot wait for that episode, to be honest. Dark Side of the Ring, something else we could talk about. I mean, no. I don't, know. I don't know. Some of these episodes that are coming up, what I've heard about. Um, yeah. yeah. Of course, of course. But you can find all our social medias. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on YouTube. We're absolutely ever here. So one last thing, obviously, to say from Stevie, thank you so much for obviously sharing so much. We've got yeah. from absolutely loads. And yeah, we'll get you back in for a part two, because I'm sure you've got absolutely loads more to, to tell. I'll, I'll have a think about it. I don't know. Stuff <laughs> drift in and out of it you know like i say these things are, are very therapeutic it's been too long since i did this so i do appreciate you uh approaching myself and uh hopefully uh you know um you can talk about some of the things that i briefly touched on with uh, martin stone which i think will be an eye opener yeah absolutely absolutely so don't forget to like share and subscribe i'll see you all in the next one magic man out